Oh, my, show up. Welcome to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. My name is David. My friend is Aaron. Uh, for those of you who are kind of like new to the show and you're like, why does he keep saying my my friend is Aaron? Well, if you go back, Aaron is my friend. He's working on some interviews. He's got some lined up as well. We will be back uh, shortly, actually, in, in the coming weeks with our Records of the Year, our Guppies episode, as we like to call it. So don't worry. He's still here. He's still hanging out. This episode is my interview with Patty O'Lantern, lead vocalist of the band Brutal Youth. They put out a new record this year called Rebuilding Year, which we will talk about, uh, amongst other things. We're going to talk about short shorts. We're going to talk about Weird Al. Uh, we're going to talk about all sorts of good stuff. Uh, so that's coming up in just a moment before though we get into it a little bit of housekeeping go follow us on social media at growing punk pod that's our social handles wherever you want to find us uh, you can go find us there and if you like the show tell your friends about it really help us grow the show that's all that's all that's all let's get into it this is me and patty from brutal youth This isn't, I don't normally start this particular way. I've got a question I like to ask first, but I had to get this one out of the way. Uh, so patio lantern, yep. are you a big Kim Mitchell fan? Um, no, the opposite, <laughs> the opposite. That's fair. That is fair. That's, that's a good uh, answer. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I don't know. That's not fair. I don't hate Kim Mitchell. Um, Kim Mitchell is, uh, you know, a, a Canadian rock icon. He's an institution here in Ontario. He has um, earned all of the accolades that he rightfully deserves. And, and he also uh, plays music that um, 
I think I'm trying to be <laughs> diplomatic here. Uh, no, you're you're good. Uh, the the whole I, reason. I, so, is is the name the stage name? Is it a take on the Kim Mitchell song, or is it just like where did it come yes. from? I guess. Yeah, yeah okay. it's a take on the Kim Mitchell song. Yeah, right. I mean everything Kim Mitchell does is re- is really kind of goofy and silly, yeah. and yeah. um, and yeah, it was like, I I we were at I was a kid and we were at like a a friend's place or something. And they, and someone was listening to that song and I was like, these are some of the dumbest lyrics I've ever yes. heard in my entire life. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's Kim. I mean, like that's what he does, right? Like his, his stuff is goofy and it's silly and like, uh, you can't fault him for that. Like he is who he is. So yeah. Yeah. I personally love that. You know, you kind of, you play in like a melodic hardcore punk band called brutal youth, which is, you know, a pretty like, um, gnarly name, uh, I guess you could say, but then you've, you know, got a front man whose name is patio lantern, which is kind of goofy and silly, uh, much like Kim Mitchell's lyrics. But I think, much what like I lo- Kim Mitchell. yeah, what I, what I think I love though, is that, you know, like to say, Oh, I'm going to see brutal youth. Okay. People might think, well, that, if they're unfamiliar with the band, Oh, that's probably some just like place where, you know, people getting kicked in the face, whatever, you <laughs> know, it's violent, all this stuff. And then, which, which, you know, can be fair with some of your music, I suppose, you know, it gets, it's pretty aggressive. It's pretty, you know, straightforward, hardcore punk. But uh, I guess what I'm trying to say is I love though, that at a brutal youth show, you get that, but then you also get, whether it's the stage banter or, you know, between you and the members of the band or, you know, just your presence uh, with how much you bring to the show, there's this, you know, flip side from the brutal youth of just like fun and lightheartedness that's there too. So I, I kind of, I really appreciate the sort of juxtaposition maybe of the two names. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Kim Mitchell and I are kindred spirits in that way. And that we're both, born, we're both corny. Um, yeah. I like it. I like it. Yeah. No, that's, that, that's, that's a, that's a fair take. Um, so this, this is kind of the question that I would typically start with. Uh, do you remember the first kind of punk or hardcore band, uh, or show or whatever that you went to that kind of introduced you to the music? Uh, I mean, first show that I went to would have been a local show. Cause I grew up in Labrador. So I grew up in like, okay. Yeah. 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 At, like at, as almost as great white and North as you can get when it comes to Canada. Yeah. Uh, yeah, super isolated. Like the town that I lived in, it was um, eighteen thousand people, and then there was nothing for eight hours outside. Like it was just you know, like isolated yeah. uh, beyond belief. So the first show I ever went to would have been like a local band called Screwball, mm-hmm. um, and that would have been like a local punk show. Uh, first punk record I ever bought would like I guess may have been dookie or uh rancid's 2000 album was one of like the first like that was like a seminal album for me Mm. uh yeah so i almost wore i got a a dookie t-shirt i almost wore it because when i last saw you you guys played a green day cover anyway i can't specifically remember off the top of my head which song it was but i was like ah, i know he's a green day fan and yeah 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 that's right that i forgot to put it on so you know shame on me i guess but growing up somewhere like labrador and just being so far removed um, what kind like, what is, what is the scene? I mean, obviously it's, I'm assuming it's been years since you've kind of been, you know, really involved in it, but what was the scene sort of like in such an isolated place? Um, yeah, well, so, I mean, I was in high school when, when, um, like punk kind of, I, well, I guess punk broke in 94 and then mm. everything moved slower up 
up north and and uh so people were getting into like their older brothers and older sisters albums and like 98 99 uh my friends and i we all sort of got into it and and people started bands so it was like it was probably the thing that most of the youth in the area that i was in were getting into mm-hmm. for, for whatever i guess like you had it blink 182 and some 41 like there there's like that pop punk thing yeah. that was going on too and that was a gateway for a lot of people into punk rock and then just like harder music kind of follows from there right so mm-hmm. yeah um Do, so your question was what is the scene like now yeah well no no i guess i mean i don't know if you would have insight to what it's like now in a place like labrador but more you know when you're growing up you know was it um I guess, was it just kind of buoyed mainly by just local bands playing? Were there touring bands that came through at all? Because it is so far out of the way. No, there's there's not a touring band that has ever come to, to Labrador. <laughs> ever. I mean, like, outside of, you know, like, local, like, Newfoundland artists, like, the biggest the biggest artist that would have ever come to Wabush, Labrador City, where I grew up, would have been, um, like, a, a Newfoundland staple called Buddy What's-His-Name and the Other Fellers. Like, that's, like, the biggest, that's, like, a big get out there mm, so yeah i imagine it's got to be like tough for bands to really even break out of there because it's just so far to get anywhere else is that fair to say that well there's nothing like yeah. you're the trans canada highway is a dirt road right like wow. it, you know it's paved everywhere else except up there it's an eight hour dirt road that winds around uh, a train track so like yeah the th- there's no point there's there's nothing up there and then like the further you go, the fewer people there are and the further between. It's just there's no reason to be there outside yeah. of it's an iron ore town. Right. So if you're if you're in the mining industry, it's there's lots of reason to be up there. Otherwise, yeah. it's just a void. That's incredible. Um, so the band like your band, Brutal Youth, uh, what, I guess I should ask, when did you move out? Was it like graduate high school sort of thing and you were out of there? Yeah, I finished high school and then I moved to uh, Newfoundland like to a larger city. Um, mm-hmm. And I was there for a while, played in a couple of bands, um, moved out to St. John's, which is sort of like the, the large city in Newfoundland and met up with some friends again, more bands and like kind of cross pollinating. And then eventually met everyone who would make up brutal youth. I actually started brutal youth as a side project from another band that I was in. I was in, I was living in Victoria in BC at the time. Yeah. And I started it just as a sort of, uh, writing process. It's just like for, it, it was more of a journal than anything. Cause I, I just didn't have anything and I was having mm-hmm. a hard time out there. And, um, and then I came back and band that I was in broke up and, and then we kind of went, uh, you know, we moved to Ontario and, and went from there. So the, the brutal youth guys, they are originally from Newfoundland uh originally it was four of us from newfoundland we all Mm. moved to ontario together as a band okay yeah and over the years uh we've had a couple of lineup changes so katie our original drummer um moved to portland and uh and then we we got a couple of different iterations and now we've got dc who's Mm. from out near london and he's been in the band forever and yeah so he's like he's our guy and Greg recently moved to Ireland. His his wife is from Ireland, so he moved out there with her. And but yeah, it was like a bunch of Newfoundlanders living in Ontario, a bunch of transplants. Yeah, there you go. Um, real quick, if you don't mind, what what took you to Victoria from from the other side of the country to another side of the country? Uh, I moved there to uh, I moved there to to be with a, a girl, and mm-hmm. it didn't work out. 
Fair enough. Yeah. No, so the I wrote the reason, first record. Oh yeah. I'll say the only reason I, I, um, I ask is my wife's family is all from, so we spend every summer out on Vancouver Island. So I was like, yeah, right. I know it. I know it fairly well, but let's, um, I want I wanted to share kind of like my first impressions with the band because, uh, I remember hearing your name, the name yeah. brutal youth float around, but it took me, I don't know when I would have first actually, uh, listened, but last, I guess it was not this past September, but a year ago, uh, you were out here, uh, playing super friendly fest. And, uh, I didn't actually end up going to that, but the next night on the Sunday night, you played with good riddance and ignite in red deer. And so, uh, a buddy of mine mentioned he's a big ignite fan and which is interesting because like, he doesn't like listen to, to like punk rock at all, but ignite was a band that caught his ear a number of years ago. So he wanted to go see them. I was like, yeah, man, I'm down. Like, let's, you know, drive the hour and a half or whatever to Red Deer. And uh, I loved Good Riddance growing up and stuff. And so, you know, you guys were on the bill and we get there. And I just remember standing in this room, which was at the time, like not, not very full. Like there's a, a fair bit of space, like that venue, the way it's laid out. Uh, you yeah. know, there's a lot of people sitting at tables and whatever. And so anyways, I'm standing there and you were just sitting I don't know if you were sitting with legs over the edge of the stage or if you're just kind of like squatting on the edge of the stage and you're holding the microphone and you're just like staring daggers. And I, I remember like walking into that room and going like, holy shit, this guy has got to be the most intense, like, uh, you know, performer I've seen. Like it, it just reminded me of stories of just like, you know, how intense the punk and hardcore scene could be, especially like, you know, in the eighties with like black flag and minor threat and all that stuff. Right. Like where you're just like sitting there, I'm like, what are we in for? And then, you know, you guys blast into the music and, you know, you've got all sorts of room to get your energy out because I'm assuming, I don't know if you run at a high like level of energy all the time, but, (laughs) but when you perform live, there is just like, a ball of energy that is exploding all over the stage. But at this particular show, there was so much room that you were like doing round offs off the stage down to the floor and like all sorts of just craziness. And I just remember coming away from that show going, you know, I went to see good riddance. Like that was the reason I went to the show and I a thousand percent came out a brutal youth fan because just your live performance is so much, you know, I kind of referenced it a little bit earlier, but it's just like, there's so much to take in. So, uh, from that moment on, I, you know, I like, I guess, uh, what I want to get to is like, I, I talk about that show and now, you know, your, your most recent show here in Edmonton, uh, I think that was in September. So it was about a year after, um, you know, I talk about the, just the moments I think that you're able to create that are like memorable. Um, I just went and saw Monine last night for the umpteenth time. And like, they're a Mm -hmm. band that I consider in a, in a very similar way where like you go and you see Monine for me anyways. And I walk away with memories, right? Like I've seen so many bands where I couldn't tell you something that happened at that show. I could be like, yeah, they were great, but I couldn't tell you a moment. Whereas like Monine or now, you know, you guys in brutal youth, like there are moments where I'm like, I'll remember that for as long as I can remember things, I think. So, um, I guess just like shout out to you and, uh, for just putting on memorable shows. Was there like, um, you know, is that, is that like a conscious decision or do you just like the music hits and you just kind of go off to another place to like make those shows what they are? Uh, I think, uh, Garth summed it up best. I like to play Mm. (laughs) from Wayne's world. No, um, how, how, it, yeah, no, I, it just hits me, man. Like, I, I, it's my favorite thing to do. I love doing it. And 
yeah, I just, I just want, I just want to go off. So just sort of take all that. You know what? A lot of it comes from like, I'm a big wrestling fan. So I've taken some, some of that sort of sort some ideas and, and that energy and just like people paid to see something happen. Mm-hmm. So that's in my mind, but also I like, I just kind of pace around like a jackal anyway, when we're at band practice, like that, right. just that, that, whatever that is, that, that guy comes out, that persona. Um, yeah. yeah. I remember watching the video for, I have a date, the vandals and watching Warren Fitzgerald just be like this mutant on stage and being <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's fucking punk right there. That's, right. that's what I want to do. I just want to be this, this giant ball of energy that, and yeah, I mean, like, I like jumping around. I like moving around. So it, it comes, it comes naturally. Fair enough. Um, you mentioned wrestling. So this, I didn't have notes on this, but uh, favorite wrestler real quick. Who do you got? Or one? Oh, of them, my sorry? top three. Yeah. Uh, my top three are uh, Mankind, Cactus Jack, and Dude Love. <laughs> You're going to do it. Yeah, uh, that's that's fair. Do you like, do you still watch wrestling to this day or, or is it more of like a, a childhood attitude era sort of thing? Uh, I still watch wrestling. I have been having trouble with it lately yeah. because the modern day product is not something that I gravitate towards in sure. a lot of respects, but like, no, I still watch it. I mean, there's, there's something there's a pay-per-view I, next weekend I'll be watching. Yeah. Yeah. As will I, there's uh there's something I absolutely love though, about, um, about independent wrestling and just like, yeah. you know, and, and punk rock being like kindred spirits, right? Like there is, oh for sure that DIY mentality and um, yeah, like that's, that's kind of where I probably, you know, like get off on wrestling the most is definitely watching, you know, smaller independent organizations and, you know, it's not always the, the, the best performances or what have you, but they've got moments that uh, much like I I mentioned with you guys in playing live where you just remember, right? Like, um, so that's pretty awesome. But um, I did want to, speaking of creating moments and memories, um, what was the, what was the genesis of the short shorts? Cause Patty wears some short shorts. I do wear short shorts. <laughs> I remember, uh, I was watching an interview with Henry Rollins and he was talking about yeah. how he used to wear short shorts and I was like, Oh, that's cool. But that's not really where it came from. The genesis was I kept tearing the crotch out of my short, out of my jeans and jeans just kept getting more and more expensive. And I was like, I just can't pay for <laughs> fucking jeans all the time. Um, so I started wearing athletic shorts. And then at one show, I played in another band called Dragged In. And the drummer of Dragged In was giving me shit because I was wearing these shorts that were like, they were above the knee. And usually I'm wearing like basketball shorts. Right. And he goes, oh, you got some short shorts there. And I just went, fuck you. I'm going to find the <laughs> shortest shorts I possibly can. I'm going to wear them from now on. So that's, yeah. that's the genesis of the shorts. <laughs> Just out of spite. <laughs> Just out of spite. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. It, it is interesting that you brought up Henry Rollins though, because going back to like, you know, like my first impression, seeing you sitting on the stage there, just like with this intense stare, like that was literally the first name that came to mind was, was like, Oh, is this going to be some like Henry Rollins, like black flag sort of shit? Um, right. which I'll confidently say, like, I enjoy your music more than, more than black flags music. Like, um, nothing against black flag either. Just not one of my favorite bands, I guess. But, but yeah, just bringing that kind of intensity and that, and that energy and, and short shorts to boot, you know? So for sure, that's great. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I think, I think that's fair. It's just like, I, I, I just, I get up there and it just, something comes out. It just pulls yeah. something out of me that, it's um, kinda, there's nowhere kinda, else for that to be released. Go yeah. Ahead. 
And I, well, I was going to say, it's got to create the short shorts, got to create some sort of, uh, you know, mobility freedom sort of thing too. You know, you're not, you're not bagged down by jeans with a stiff, well, I was gonna say, that was going to sound terrible. Say with a stiff <laughs> crotch. <laughs> That's not what I'm getting at at all, but you know what I mean? Them short shorts, they just allow you to move in, in any way that you see fit. So that's, Oh yeah. That's great. It's, they're and, like, they're, sh- they're like four inch inseam runners shorts. They've got to split up the leg. Yeah. They're super mobile. And then they've got a built in, um, like cradle as well. So I don't have to wear underwear under there. <laughs> nice. <laughs> everything, everything is snug and nothing's going to yep. fall out. So that's, yeah, there's a uh, liner in there. That's great. Cause that would probably something to worry about otherwise. But, uh, I, it is funny because when we were at the last show that you played in Edmonton, I brought a friend with me who had never, I shared your record with him when it came out, but he, he hadn't seen you yet. So it was a different friend. And, uh, you know, you, you walked by at one point and I kind of like did this double take thing. I was like, weird. He's wearing cargo shorts. Like what the, like that doesn't seem right. And then next thing you know, you're taking them off and you're, you know, going full short shorts. So uh, clearly it's not an everyday fashion statement that you're making, but uh, yeah, it's whatever. Let's move on from talking about shorts. I think. (laughs) Um, I mean, if we must, if we must, if we could do a full hour on shorts, but the song uh, I did want to, before we get into the new record rebuilding year, there is a song uh, off the previous record. The song's called white way. to talk about it because again the first time i saw you you know it's like this whole like barrage of uh just like intensity and energy and and you know just like speed and whatever and then you get to this moment in the show and obviously you know what i'm talking about with this song because you you've i've seen you twice now and you've done it both times where yep. you know um you share a story about a friend it was a friend yeah like the loved just, one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who who tried to take their life and you uh you know kind of give this this um this speech about how you know you matter. Someone loves you, you matter, sort of thing, right? And yep. it just provides this moment in the show where the first time I saw it, I think that's when I was like locked in as far as being a fan of the band going forward and going like, okay, I know I want to go home and listen to these guys. Uh, again, because not, not just because of this song, but, you know, just seeing like, I guess that there's like some more heart to the band as opposed to, 
you know, there's one thing to be angry all the time. And I don't think you're angry all the time, but there is music that's angry all the time. Right. And then you kind of get this just to see that heart and that sort of cathartic moment in the middle of the set. Um, I just love, I just wanted to say, I just love how you take a moment to get kind of real. And then you even reach out to people who might be struggling, um, you know, saying, Hey, come talk to me. I just thought that was, that was pretty rad. And I wanted to, uh, I guess say thank you for that because, um, it's nice to, I guess, like hear a band that I think actively cares, if that makes sense. I appreciate that. Um, and that's true. I, I do care. Yeah. That, that little speech, um, I was doing it off and on. And then, um, I think I was sitting with Chuck Coles from the creep show and we were playing some shows with them and I had done it there. And I was like, yeah, I think I'm not, I think I'm going to stop doing that. And he was like, no, you have to do that every single night. That's the most important part of your entire set. Like you could right. drop all of the songs when people, <laughs> yeah, just, just do that and, and let people know that, you know, pe- that, that they're loved and that people care about mm-hmm. them and that they matter. Yeah. Um, so I took that to heart, that conversation with him. I was like, oh, okay, well, if it meant something to you, maybe it means something to other people. And since then, we've sort of taken it, we've run with it. We play White Way every night. They always stop to tell people mm-hmm. two things. One, you're important. Two, you have to tell the people in your life that they're important because if you don't do that, there's no way that they're going to know. Unless mm-hmm. we say it, unless we're deliberate about it, and we create those conversations, they just don't know. And... um you sometimes you find yourself in the you know really unfortunate situation that um somebody that you love stops existing and Mm. i don't want anyone to be in a position where they have any regrets or they're like i wish i had said something yeah um and i don't want to be in that position either so yeah take the moment to just kind of bring that in and and put that in there and then i think like when you get in because yeah as you as you mentioned it's kind of you do the you, you, you kind of stop to talk in the middle of the song, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's not something you're doing before the song or after the song. It's literally in the yep. middle. And then you go into the, so fucking glad that you're still alive, uh, part of the song. And I mean, I, I think I, I don't know if I mentioned it a minute, a minute ago, but it just like creates this cathartic moment in the set yeah. where everyone, cause I, I think like whether it's, you know, that person struggling themselves or everyone knows someone, you know what I yes. mean? Who is, who has struggled with mental health issues with feeling like they're not enough, not cared for, you know, whatever you want to say. But so there is just like, yeah, the, the moment in the set where I kind of went, okay, like you've, and, and not to say you like do it to convince people that, Hey, like our band, listen to this song. Like that's not the motivation behind that. But like I said, I, I just loved hearing that there's kind of this heart behind it. And, um, yeah, a band that cares. That's just, that's just, that's great. And, uh, it's a, it's a moment in the set that I, I definitely know seeing you the second time that I was like looking forward to. Cause it's just, it's powerful. It's powerful stuff, man. No, so, I appreciate that. Do you want to get uh, into talk? Oh, go ahead. I've, I've had the, the, the absolute honor of after we play having people come up to me and just like, tell me their stories and talk to me. And, um, and that's, that to me is like, that's the most sacred part of that whole piece is like, mm-hmm people come up and they share deeply and we connect and I have a moment with like, I don't care if people walk away and they like the band. I just want yeah. people to walk away and, and engage in their lives. Like that's really for me, if I can have people walk out and go, that band sucked, but I'm going to approach life differently. Right. Awesome. That yeah. that's, that's what's important for me. Yeah. 
that's that's amazing man so let's get into uh talking about the new record a little bit shall, shall we yeah let's do it so it's called rebuilding year first i i want to ask um i are like are you sports fan at all because like when i hear that phrase rebuilding year i just immediately go into you know teams tanking for higher draft picks <laughs> Um, the only sport that I'm really interested in is professional wrestling because it's yep. the only honest sport. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I have a friend who's like, he's a big, like also a big fan of professional wrestling. And, uh, yeah. anytime we'll talk about any other sport, he's, he'll, he'll say like a very similar answer. He's like, Oh, I only like real sports, like, like professional wrestling, which yeah. I love, like, I I've said this before. Like I, I'm a big like baseball and hockey fan and, I've, I've said this before the thing I love about professional wrestling and music is like, you, you never really let down, right? Like you can get, obviously people get emotionally invested in sports, in their teams and whatever. And then when it yep. doesn't, when you don't win at all, you get disappointed at some point in time. Right. Whereas like with music, sure. A band could release an album, you know, a favorite band of yours could release an album that maybe doesn't quite hit you the same way their other stuff does, but you always have that other stuff, right? Like when you find something you love, you will always have that. And like professional wrestling, same thing, you know, it's all predetermined, you know, it's all, you know, like made up whatever. So like, yeah. I just love that there's more, I guess for me, more of like, a. uh, just a, like an, um, I don't know if emotional security sounds right in what I'm trying to say, but, but, uh, I just, sorry. I just love that. You said the, the only honest sport. I love professional wrestling. Well, but that's what I mean. Wrestling. Yeah. When you go into a professional wrestling match, they yeah. have been very clear with you that like, yes, this is predetermined. It's still yeah. an athletic contest, yeah. but the end, the, the outcome has been predetermined. They don't tell you that when you're going to watch, you know, a, a, a football match or a basketball match, but like these high level sports mm -hmm. specifically, let's talk about the NBA for a minute. Like there was a major scandal there where yeah. they had, uh, you know, some referees who were, who were fixing games or at least yeah. one. Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, I don't, I don't believe for a second that some somewhere where there is that much money changing hands and more money exchanges hands if they go all the way to see, to game seven, that they're not manipulating things. So sure. at least yeah. you know Vince McMahon's very honest with you in saying like, <laughs> yeah, we're we're manipulating the outcome. Um, which is he's which a bad is, guy in a lot of other respects though. Yeah, hundred percent. But which is interesting about him though is that like he is the reason really that, you know, that's common knowledge, right? Like when you go back yeah. to the early nineties or whatever it was where yeah. he was, you know, saying like, no, this is all predetermined. It's just a show guys. Like we're not, whereas before that, the whole intent was to convince people it was real. Right. But yeah, yeah. there's, there is something about seeing some incredible athletic feats, uh, performed in front of a live audience. And, you know, people will say just that we're like, well, it's all fake. It's all, it's like, but have you seen some of the things these guys do? Anyway, I don't, I don't want to yeah. turn this into a wrestling podcast, but that's all good. <laughs> um, uh, so re rebuilding yeah. your where where did the, the title come from? I guess if it wasn't a, a sports reference, I think it probably was a sports reference. I think like the Jays are out here and the Jays have been having yeah. a bunch of terrible years over and over and over. And people are always, and we've got the Leafs too. We've got two, <laughs> two two heartbreak teams and then we've yep. also got the raptors who have been uh you know <clears throat> on top of their game but yeah. uh yeah everyone always talks about oh the jays are in a rebuilding year the 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 leafs are in a rebuilding year and then i had a really bad year um pre-pandemic and then the pandemic happened and you know mm -hmm. I, a lot of people were having tough years and i was like thought about that concept from the perspective of just like as a person who is putting himself back together like i had my own rebuilding year so yeah yeah um i think that becomes maybe a little bit obvious 
uh, as as you kind of listen through the record, there's uh, we'll get into some of the songs, but there's you know clearly some. I guess you could say, I don't know if broken relationships are the right, you know, words to use, but there are some songs where, um, seeing the title rebuilding year definitely makes sense with some of the lyrical content. Uh, but take a, can you talk a little bit about the artwork, I guess, too, before we get into it, like, uh, who did it and what was kind of the, the inspiration or the thought behind that? Yeah, our buddy Eric, he um, he goes by Wall of Youth online, but uh, he's done a bunch of, of covers for great bands like Direct Hit. Um, he actually, our first record when we released it on vinyl, he did the artwork for that. And he and so there's that Ouroboros, the snake eating its own tail. Right, yeah. Uh, and so he, he did a play on that where it's like a skull with this snake rocketing out like vomit, and then the snake is coming back and eating the skull, eating its own tail. Um, mm. And... So that was the cover of Spill Your Guts. And then we asked him to do the cover of the new record, Rebuilding Year. And he quite, and I was just like, we really love that that sort of icon that you created. We've been using it as sort of a logo. So can you just take that and run with it? And so he put like a full skeleton in there and made like this, you know, again, this vomit snake. Um, <laughs> it really speaks to me because I feel like lyrically for me, there's a lot of catharsis in writing all like Brutal Youth songs personally or there's just a lot of catharsis there's a lot of personal story and struggle that goes into that um so it's kind of like that just kind of vomiting out everything and and then it comes full circle when i get to get on stage and be there with people and and have that kind of release so um mm. yeah i think them and thematically i felt like it worked in terms of rebuilding year there's some mm. chains being broken in the artwork as well so yeah all those sorts of things it's very striking and uh the color the color scheme i love um, oh beautiful color palette yeah 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 it all comes together real well so let's get into i guess some of these songs and uh i mean this record from start to finish is uh is great like there when i, I realized as i was kind of going through and picking songs i'm like if i keep doing this i'm just going to end up you know with like wanting to talk about every single song which i don't <laughs> think we necessarily have time for but we'll start with the opener which is juice cleanse
I think this song, the bridge or the outro, I guess technically it is, uh, it's the first of multiple songs on this record that have incredible bridges and outros and just like sing-along parts. Uh, mm. So like it just kind of starts off, I guess, really on that strong foot. But I wanted to talk about the lyrics in that where you say smile, wave, talk small, stay brave. I know I look like shit, but I'll be fine. Yeah. Um, I don't know, you know, kind of your inspiration behind those lyrics, but like it definitely like to me when I hear it, it, it kind of takes me almost as like, um, I guess you could say like someone standing in front of the mirror, trying to pump themselves up being like, you know, I might not want to do this, but I'm going to be able to do this, whether it's, you know, facing some kind of like social anxiety sort of thing, like, you know, trying to get comfortable in an uncomfortable situation or, you know, whatever the case may be. But, um, is that like, is, is that kind of what we're looking at here? Or, you know, are you, are you legit looking in the mirror at yourself singing these lyrics to pump yourself up? (laughs) Um, yeah, I think that this is, that's a fair interpretation. I mean, a lot of this stuff, like there's a personal journey for sure on this record. Um, I did my best to try and make it as ambiguous and sort of universal as possible because I want people to be able to draw, like, it's an album about finding strength at the end of the, at the end of the road, mm-hmm. but I wanted people to be able to sort of, um, uh, put their own spin on that. Like, what is your story? What do you draw out of these lyrics? Mm. So yeah, I I love that. That's how you interpreted them. For me, it was uh, a little more about, yeah, just like put on a brave face. Right. I don't know necessarily that I envision myself pumping myself up in the mirror, but for certain I could be with that, with that declaration. Yeah. It's a declaration of just like, things are not okay right now, but I'm going to fake it until I make it. Yeah. 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 I, I like, it's been one of the songs. And I mean, part of that's going to be because it is the opener, right? Like obviously it's more than likely the song that's listened to the most by people uh, because you put the record on and that's where you go. But, um, it is a song every time I hear it that, uh, I think it does, it does two things. Like one, it absolutely like just kicks you in the face with energy with, and then this great sing along part at the end, um, which it doesn't matter if I'm you know, getting ready in the morning or I'm driving my car or doing whatever, like I'm going to be singing along to that part because it is just so great. Uh, but also I think like it sets up the album in a, in a way where, and we'll talk about this in, in just a minute, but with these outros and these bridges, you've done something, I think kind of, and I don't know if I'm just picking up on it necessarily, but you've done something, I think kind of pretty special with this record where, um, it's not necessarily always like the chorus that people are going to want to, you know, crank up or sing along to not saying that that's not the case, but there's just some great moments. And this kind of like, I think really leads us into, uh, into that. Like the next song I want to talk about was the Ides.
an outro that makes you know it literally makes me want to start the song over again like right. it plays and i mean this one um i was i was a little bit disappointed i will say that you didn't play it when you were in edmonton <laughs> i would have like would have been amazing that's dc's fault you can blame our drummer that's that's fine but uh <laughs> I, I i guess like in this song and you know with some of these other ones i wanted to know was that like a goal with some of these songs to like I guess write an outro or whatever that makes a listener just like kind of crank the volume up with each passing line, because this song is a little bit different than with the others, obviously with, you know, you have the one vocal part that repeats itself a couple times and then you layer in another vocal part on top of it. Um, yeah. but like, was, was that something I guess that you, you were actively doing because it, it jumps out to me on this record, like more than any other record that comes to mind for me. Where like, Oh, just wait. If you think the song is good now, just wait till the end of it. Right, those codas. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's funny that you mentioned that. When I started the band in, in Victoria, the, I had three rules. Um, so I, I have a, a, a performance background. Like I, I was trained as a professional actor, and, and one of the directors that I worked with when I was, in, when I was doing plays said, like, when you're writing something, um, specifically talking about like a piece of theater, you want to have rules. You don't have to have a lot, but you have to have some. And then when you break the rule, it becomes special that you've done that. And the audience go, oh, cool. So mm. I took that and and did it with Brutal Youth. It was like, okay, I'm going to have rules. So nothing was allowed to be over 90 seconds in yeah. length. Um, it had to be personal and not political in terms of um, what I was writing about, whatever the subject mm. was. And then the third rule was no, no, no repetition. It had to just be like, we're cut. We're no choruses, right? We're going to have a right. part and a part and a part. So I guess I've gotten okay at doing that. This yeah. record actually, Kyle, our bassist was like, can we write some choruses this time around? <laughs> yeah. And so those, those refrains at the end, those codas that you're hearing are maybe like, I, I appreciate you saying so. That's some validation for me. I guess yeah. my songwriting got decent enough that I got good at writing like single parts that I was going to throw away. Right. Yeah. That That is interesting. Uh, because yeah, like I, I, there are some songs where you, you do still have, I guess, more traditional song structures that jump out just as much to me, but yeah, there's a, there's a few on this record where I'm waiting for, you know, that last 20, 30 seconds, whatever it may be, um, to like kick in and maybe like, I, I, I mean, I guess like in that sense, like you could say they are a chorus. If you don't have a proper chorus earlier in the song, it just so happens that you only go through it once and it's at the end. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, props to you, man. They're definitely like my favorite moments on the album are those parts where they come in. And I mean, I, I can only imagine that, you know, the sing-alongs that happen with some of those, uh, have got to be pretty, feel pretty good. I mean, I mean, the record's only been out for, I guess, a few months now, but I'm sure you've maybe seen a little bit of that. I know actually, I think at the Edmonton show, uh, after, you know, you guys played juice cleanse, I think, is that what you, I don't know if you opened, I think you opened with juice cleanse. We did open wrong. with juice cleanse. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it was either you or, uh, I, I failed to catch the name of your drummer, but like one of you, Let's like, see. I think said something about like, dude, that's like new shit. And you guys were singing along to every word. Like, have you yeah. seen, have you seen a lot of that with the new record and, and getting to play it live? More than I expect. I mean, I never expect people to sing along. I always show right. up and I'm happy if one person knows who we are, let alone knows the words to a song. Yeah. But yeah, um, we have, we have seen more of that. And, uh, 
And Kyle attributes it to him saying, hey, let's write more choruses. Um, so, yeah. Thanks, Kyle. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Kyle. Yeah. Um, that's that, It's fair, though. Speaking of choruses, the song Through the Teeth... like for me maybe the most like quote-unquote complete song on the record in the sense that you know you have there is an obvious chorus and then um you even come back to it after the bridge instead of you know making it an outro sort of thing but i do love that you know it's a great chorus the bridge creates another like great sing-along moment 
And this is sort of one where I was talking about earlier where uh, it sounds like a song that, you know, is, is I don't know the story behind it, obviously, but it's maybe about a pretty broken relationship. Uh, and a lot of this record, I don't know if it's surrounding a relationship in particular or if it was just if you were picking up pieces here, there and everywhere of your story as you were writing this record. But I did want to ask is, do you find that music provides like a healthy balance uh, for dealing with life's hardships, whatever they may be, and not being forced to necessarily carry them through your day to day. I guess what I like I'm asking in that is like when you get up on stage and you sing these songs or you're writing these songs that are coming from pretty hard places, do you find that it creates a release for you where then in your day to day you're kind of able to sort of, I guess, take a breath and, you know, um, face the next day or deal with, you know, whatever might need to be dealt with, if that makes sense. Yes. It's definitely a practice of speak and release a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. The more you talk about something, the less power or control it has over you, or that's been my experience anyway. And that's what, you know, a lot of, a lot of wisdom around like self-help or, or uh, positive psychology or, or whatever will lead you in that same direction. Right. Like, you speak it, you release it, you put it into the world. It has a little bit less of a hold on you. The more you talk about it, the more it kind of loosens its grip until eventually you can forgive whatever the thing is or, or, um, um, you, you know, uh, trying to think of the word, but, um, yeah, yes. Yes. <laughs> Short answer to your question is yes. So is it, is it, am I right in, you know, and again, you don't have to, dive in too much, but in assuming that a lot of this record is about a particular relationship, or uh, I know you said you had like a shitty year and then pandemic happened to kind of like bookend that, like follow that up. And then, um, so, I mean, I don't, I don't know everything that you're kind of going through, but, uh, it, it does feel like a lot of the songs are kind of maybe about the same thing and working through that. Yeah, I would, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. It's about a specific period of time in my life and a specific, um, occurrence uh yeah yeah Yeah. i think you're you're interpret like you're you're pretty spot on with that so the next song i wanted to kind of talk about was i think if i recall the first single off the record moonstones so let down
first heard the song, I was trying to place what this sound was, what this influence was. And then I don't know if you remember doing this or not, but after it came out, you recorded a little piece uh, I do about this song. Yeah. For, for the show. And, uh, I think it was you that referenced and saying that, or referred to the opening riff as like a dag nasty riff. And yep. then, uh, it all became clear to me. It's like, that's, that's exactly, uh, what it is. And I, I did, I just wanted to ask like how much of an influence, you know, has that early DC scene, you know, um, dag nasty, not necessarily, I mean, I guess minor threat would be early, but I'm thinking, you know, like the revolution summer sort of stuff, right? Like dag nasty and rights of spring embrace stuff like, like, does that music, does it, play an influence on you at all? Or was it kind of like you'd heard a Dag Nasty song or an album here and you're like, yeah, that riff sounds like, or like that, that sounds cool. Let's just kind of do something on that. Oh no. Can I say it's probably one of my favorite records just of all time. Like it's, it's front to back. Yeah. Like that, that's, that's just a, an untouchable record. Uh, yeah, no, I, I mean like that's a style of music that I like, I don't know that I gravitate towards it all of the time, but mm-hmm. yeah, that, that DC hardcore sound for sure. Um, and in that specific song, we wrote that riff and then put like a, a chorus on it, like a chorus pedal on yeah. the effect pedal. And yeah, it just kind of came out. And I think I was listening to the, so- the specific song was values here. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. Now this, now I've cracked sort of the code on what I've written and, and how I want it to, to yeah. write it, write it. Yeah. So that, that, I guess that brings up a question then, cause in the band, uh, at least live anyways, obviously you're just, you're doing vocals, right? Uh, yeah. You're not playing an instrument live, but do you like, when it comes to writing songs, do you play yeah. guitar and all that? Like, do you, are you involved in that side of things as well? Yeah. Um, most of the songs, uh, well, so it's the first couple of records I wrote almost all of the songs and then Greg and Kyle started to write more riffs um and it's become more collaborative but yes i write a lot of the music okay so it's gone from being patio lantern and the brutal youth to brutal youth <laughs> well, went from being yeah i went from being a solo project to being yeah. a band and and now without and like without kyle and without greg and without uh dustin shaping everything yeah. it wouldn't be what it is but yeah. uh yeah like definitely start riffing around i think this one specifically was the most collaborative like Kyle and Greg brought a lot to the table this time around like with this song or this album this song was written by me but the albums yeah yeah, the album has a lot more of everyone's DNA cool so when you guys like sit down to write a song is it a lot of like you like when you write a song is it you on your own riffing things out and writing stuff or is it all done kind of you bring you know maybe a part of an idea into a, a band practice and then it evolves from there or um i generally whoever has written the song will come in with like a fully formed song and just kind of go from there uh that being said like sometimes we'll play around with things there have been times when someone's coming with just a riff and we've kind of written around it but mostly it's fully formed songs that someone's coming in with and being like hey this is what i got let's demo it so that pat can write some vocals right so earlier when you're saying they're like, Hey, can we just write a chorus? You're like, how about I just put a chorus pedal on a riff? How does that sound? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I totally yeah. misheard him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you just want me to turn this pedal on. I got you. That's yeah, cool. you want, can you want that. chorus on the album? Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's definitely, I think that for me, the chorus pedal is really what kind of like, I think was reminiscent of, you know, Dag Nasty. Uh, yeah. Just in that guitar tone. It's, it's fantastic. But 
the last song or not the last song, the next song I wanted to talk about, I think it's the second last song, um, but was, you can call me Al Yankovic. about one of your many weird owl shirts okay because <laughs> it i the way it reads when I, I obviously won the title of the song having al and you know weird al's name in it and then just the way it's like it's written i'm like oh man i could see you singing this song i don't know what it's about but about a weird al t-shirt and it it works perfectly yeah it works <laughs> as a song it works as an ode to a t-shirt it works as a metaphor for a person as a piece of clothing. Uh, it works in a whole bunch of different ways. So is it is it like is it just about Al in title alone, or or are you like when you you know using it as a metaphor or what have you? Are you speaking about Weird Al? All right. So uh, <laughs> I don't want to let too much. I don't want the horse out of the barn. <laughs> Here's what happened. The song was written as a metaphor. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, I'm singing to a piece of clothing, but in fact, it's, it's, I'm singing to a person. Um, and then I had a bunch of people who heard the song and they're like, same thing that you said, like, is that about your (laughs) t-shirt? Uh, and so that, and then I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to call it. You can call me Al Yankovic and, and blur the lines even further. Right. Right. So horses out of the state now. You were wearing a different weird Al t-shirt this time I saw you though, than from what you tend to be wearing in most of your photos. And when I saw you the first time though, do you have a new weird Al shirt for every tour? No. (laughs) Um, Kyle asked me to start being friendlier to myself and, and to um, stop opening myself up so much on stage. Cause normally I'll hit myself in the face with the microphone until, uh, until blood occurs. And so, 
Um, I don't remember who said it, but I think it, I, I think I heard Mick Foley. It might have been Terry Funk said it to Mick Foley. If you're going to bleed, wear white. So I've started wearing black. Right. <laughs> oh, man. So um, speaking of hitting yourself, because I've seen so seeing you twice now, I've, I've actually thought because you've, you've done it both times, but you didn't yeah. bleed or at least not noticeably in either show that I saw you. And so I was like surprised. And then you sent me some photos. Uh, for for this episode, I was like, oh, he definitely busts himself open from time to time. But yes, um, I, does that is that something that comes from a love of you know like wrestling and you know like the the drama that that comes with you know in a wrestling match? Obviously, blood is used as you know a dramatic effect sort of thing, or is it just like? Again, much like you doing handsprings off the stage and jumping here, there, and everywhere, and climbing up on things and hanging from things, is it just a result of energy coming out? Um, I think the answer is both. It's a result of energy coming out. And like, I just told you, Mick Foley is one of my favorite guys. And, and yeah. some of like, all, like all of the part, like it's like, it's a pastiche of everything, right? Like there are some, there's some wrestling influence. There's some Henry Rollins. There's some Warren Fitzgerald. There's no Gigi Allen at all. People ask me that fuck Gigi right. Allen. Yeah. But like, there's, there's, there's elements of like of all of the, all of the um, artists and performers and entertainers that I have loved growing up and, mm -hmm. and watching and people who have been important to me, like there's elements of all of their style. Cause that's just, that just happens, right? Yeah, it yeah. leaches in everywhere. Um, yeah. So yeah, I don't think that it's unfair to say that it's, but it's both. It's me yeah. just kind of going off. The microphone finds its way to my forehead and uh, generally, you know, you, you hit yourself enough times in the forehead with a microphone. Heads have very, like, yeah. skin on foreheads is so thin, you're just going to pop something much. open. It does I guess, not take much. Yeah, I guess maybe my question was, say the first time it happened, yeah. was it a conscious decision to, like, hit yourself in the forehead with your microphone to draw blood or... No, the first time it happened, I was playing guitar and I was jumping around and I, I there was a ceiling fan overhead and I struck the ceiling fan while I was jumping into it. Yeah. And then and, and the second time it happened, my forehead found the microphone. But again, I was playing music and like I was playing guitar and, and head banging and I bopped the microphone. And so it came from there. Amazing. Um, so real quick, before we move on from You Can Call Me Al, uh, I did want to know uh, your favorite Weird Al record. My favorite Weird Al record. If you um, had to pick one. Fuck. My favorite Weird Al record is probably uh, the T-shirt the that I wear, even worse. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um, Michael Jackson's bad. My Weird yeah. Al's even worse. Yeah. I like it. Uh, and then you cover Dare to be Stupid. Um, yes. Weird Al. If you threw another Weird Al cover into your set, what would it be? Uh, I've been trying to get the guys to do uh, I Remember Larry from Bad Hair Day. Okay, nice. Yeah, yeah which is uh, the the lyrical journey that he takes you on there is there's this guy who used to bully him and he gets so he gets so frustrated that eventually he just kills the guy and he mm -hmm. buries him in the desert um, and yeah, and he plays it off like it was a prank. So it's good. <laughs> it's a good track. Tell yourself, yeah, tell a story in the middle of your set, I guess. Um so finally, the the last song I wanted to kind of briefly touch on is the title track uh, and the closing track, Rebuilding Year.
that choice to make the title track the closing track because those are a couple of like i know a lot of times when i look at an album as a whole uh and we've done episodes like this in the past where it's like well we like to talk about the opening track and what makes a good opener you know the closing track what makes a good closer and then sometimes title tracks blah blah blah. and so i like that you know these you, you kind of encompass two of those in one because Obviously, you know, you talked about some of the songs on this record are, you know, from the same, you know, sort of story or time in life or what have you. And just yep. talking about, um, you know, kind of finding the strength and all this stuff. So I just love the way that this song closes the record down, especially with the, you get back what you put in, change mm-hmm. it all for the better, which could be read in a couple of different ways. Cause the first time I heard it before really like, looking at some of the lyrics on the record, I was like, Oh, this song kind of, especially like that part kind of sounds like not a critique on the punk and hardcore scene, but like a critique of the people who are critiquing the punk and hardcore scene, if that makes sense. And saying like, man, we, this doesn't exist if you don't actively participate in it. Right. So if you see something Mm -hmm. wrong with it, do something about it, make a change for the better. Right. And I think like, you know, obviously going back a couple of years, there, there, there started being a lot of, um, stories and things coming about, about just like shitty people in the scene, right? Like that were doing horrible things. And so, uh, I don't think that's what this song is about, but I just like the idea of going like, look, it's easy to say, oh, this is broken. This is, you know, whatever, because of this, this, and this, but do something to make it better you know, like make yep. that change. And, um, I think maybe this song is probably a little bit more on a, you know, a more personal level than, than that. But, uh, yeah, I just, it was, it was kind of like a bit of a message I think that I, I took out of it intentional or not. And, um, it makes, I think it also just makes for a great closer to the record with that sort of like motivation or whatever you want to call it, like parting message being like, just make it better, <laughs> whatever it may yeah. be that you're facing, make it better. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful interpretation. I mean, it wasn't, re- uh, again, like all of these songs hold personal meaning for me, mm-hmm. but this record was less about me telling everyone else my story and more about like, we all go on similar journeys. Many of us had to have a, a year, you know, post pandemic or during the pandemic or whatever, where we had to rebuild parts of our lives. So mm-hmm. it might be personal. It might be more communal. Like you just said, um, take from it. What's ne- take from this what's necessary leave the rest but yeah mm. change it all change everything change it all up for for the better you know it took yeah. me doing um some some 
stuff to for for my own personal growth and yeah i just wanted to carry that forward but yeah if the scene's not working you're there do mm -hmm. something about it you you get back what you put in and that was the same thing on this record it was just like we tried really hard to write a good record um we put a lot of work into it not that we don't put work into the previous stuff but like we tried really hard with this one steve risen who was with us who recorded this put a lot of work into this he put in countless hours that you know like he went unthanked for uh stomp records put a lot of work into getting motivating us to to finish it um we put a lot of work into writing it getting there there so just everything i, th I think that that's a beautiful interpretation it's true you get back what you put in and you can apply that anywhere man uh, i love that I, I love it because you know just like that it's like 14 songs it's 29 minutes you know roughly give or take and yep. uh it's one of the best records of the year for me anyways in listening like i've listened to it a ton it's blistering it's melodic uh hits hard lyrically um and it i think more than just hitting hard lyrically there are moments on this record that encourage introspection that encourage you know someone to go and look within whether it's something they're you know aware of you know, that's a, that's a hard thing in their life that they're, that they're currently walking through. Um, or if it's, um, you know, maybe bringing to light, like, Oh, uh, it reminds me a little bit. Have you listened? Are you a fan of the band drain at all? Yeah. Yeah. So like their song, uh, well, I, I guess the, the, uh, the actual title is F T S K Y S, but find the strength, kill yourself where they're like, they're just talking about like, and it's not to, yeah find the strength kill yeah. yourself that sounds great but they're talking about killing off the things in your life that you don't love right like yeah, yeah to yeah yeah to change it for the better as it were you know in in this song here and i just love that um you know it this record kind of really encourages and provides that and it just makes for albeit only 29 minutes a fantastic listen and uh i just wanted to thank you for that it's a it's a fantastic record and um i was pumped that you were down to come and uh and chat about it for a little bit. Yeah, thank you. I mean, I've been listening to your podcast since we've been talking, so oh, uh, it's nice to be on a podcast that I listen to. But yeah, <laughs> there you go, there you go. <laughs> well, well, man, with that, I don't, I don't have anything else that uh, that I wanted to talk about. But uh, this has been a ton of fun. So, um, yeah, man, this is good. Well, thank you very much for uh, all your kind words, and um, it's nice to sit back and listen to how this record has occurred in someone else's life because like again i know what everything means to me it's much more interesting for me to hear what it means to other people so i like thank you for sharing that.